Welcome to another great episode of Pick Like Glue Radio. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, the dream business coach. This is the podcast to learn how to create your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. I'm the founder and creator of the Dream Business Academy and the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. I coach entrepreneurs and small business owners at all levels how to build the business of their dreams. Today's episode is brought to you by Dream Business Academy. It's a three-day live event. Our next one, which will be our seventh, is taking place uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, September 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a marketing and business building event where you'll learn how I've created what I call my million-dollar platform. It's how I've grown multiple um, six-figure businesses. Learn more at dreambizacademy.com, dreambizacademy.com. By the way, we have early registration going on right now, and if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, You'll save 100 bucks even off the early registration. That's dreambizacademy.com. I'm really excited about this week's show. My special guest is an intellectual property lawyer. His name is Robert Klink, but he goes by Bobby. So let me properly introduce him, and we'll bring him right on. Robert Bobby Klink is an intellectual property attorney who helps entrepreneurs, startups, and innovators harness the power of their intellectual property rights and, just as important if not more, reduce exposure to lawsuits or brand challenges in the marketplace. Bobby prides himself on making the complex issues related to intellectual property understandable for non-lawyers. He has published two books about intellectual property, The Entrepreneur's IP Planning Playbook and Patent Litigation Primer. He is currently working on a more ambitious project, a book to provide entrepreneurs with an overview of how to craft an intellectual property strategy from start to finish. Bobby has his law degree uh, come laude from Harvard Law School. Oh, is that all? (laughs) How you doing, Bobby? Thanks for being on the program. Uh, I'm good. It's wonderful to be here. So come laude. That's uh, from Harvard. That's very impressive, sir. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I, I I try not to lead with that or, or bring that up because, quite honestly, I think uh, you know that's kind of like uh, it it shows I'm capable of doing what I do, but uh, it's not the primary qualification. I think I think my primary qualification for working with entrepreneurs is that I'm an entrepreneur myself, and you know, I I feel their pain, and I think that's much more important than uh, where I went to law school at this point. Yeah, this is a really important topic. I mean, I've been. Uh entrepreneur for 16 years. I've been in the online space since 2007. Um, and I know uh, prior to that, I was also in, in franchising. I got really intimate with copyrights and, and um, you know, all kinds of terminology as it relates to protecting your trademark and things like that. And, you know, in this day and age, Bobby, where people are throwing up so much content and just borrowing, and I use that with hand quotes, borrowing images and songs and pictures and and even out and out just copying and pasting copy. I'm really interested in talking to you. Let's let's start actually on that other side, how to protect people from getting into uh, some legal jeopardy, and then we'll kind of transition into protecting their own stuff. How's that sound? That sounds perfect. So, you know, everybody who's uh, been online for any length of time is probably received one of those emails from one of the two big uh, image companies, which basically threatened to throw you in jail and throw away the key if you don't pay them $800 because they saw that you used an image somewhere four years ago. How do people understand when it's on the Internet, like what they can use and what they can't use? Let's just kind of start with the basics. 
Well, so the internet is, I mean, the internet is, has been a fantastic tool for entrepreneurs. It, it gives us a wonderful way to build a platform that you really didn't have before. So that that's the great side about it. The downside of it is just what you mentioned that, I mean, there's a couple of problems. One, because we're on the internet, if you actually mess up, uh, people will find out. So if you're infringing someone's intellectual property, they will find out. And you mentioned the, the two, um, the big image companies, and you're absolutely right on that. Um, really fundamentally, it comes down to just you can't use an image unless you have a license for it. It's that simple. Um, and I think it used to be that that was a hard thing to do, and it, it was difficult because there were only so many places you could get images. But nowadays, there are so many free sites out there. I mean, Pixabay is one, but I mean, you just search for them, and you can find all of these different resources where you can get free uh, not, you know, uh, non-royalty uh, images that you can use wherever you want. So that's the first place you should go. But if you are going, if it's one of the big companies or even if it's one of like iStock or one of the other stock photo companies, there are a couple important things to do. One, you need to make sure you actually buy it, of course, and don't just take the screen grab. But also you need to actually make sure you're reading the license you're getting correctly uh, to make sure that you're getting a good enough license. For the most part, the licenses you're going to get at the base level are fine, especially if you're starting out entrepreneur, but there are certain limits. So just read it. it it's pretty clear. It'll tell you what you need to have and, and what kind of license you need for a different use. For example, if you want to use it on a, a print banner, I think a lot of them you have to pay an additional um, licensing fee. But you just need to read the fine print, and I say that. It's not even that fine. Um, but, but quite honestly, people aren't getting in trouble because they're getting the wrong license. People are getting in trouble because they're doing what you said in the kind of the intro. They're they're <laughs> going and, and borrowing an image, or they go onto Google Images and just pick an image off of that. And you need to understand a lot of those images are copyrighted images, so you can't just pick one, copy it, and use it on your site. So the trick really is just don't do that. Um, yeah. Only use images that you have a license for, and if you do that, you should be fine. You should keep records that you have the licenses, and, and you know keep all that in one place so that you can later prove it up if you need to. But, you know, again, I, I don't think that's the big problem. The problem is people not thinking about it, going out, using an image, and then getting a, a letter or getting sued or some problem down the line. So after law school, did, or while you were, did you know you, you wanted to be in this line, the intellectual property field, or how did you get into that? I had no idea. <laughs> um, like a lot, like a lot of lawyers, I kind of fell into it by um, luck and circumstance, and I fell in love with it. So I, um, uh, I started my career at very big firms on kind of a, a grab bag mix of what I would call commercial litigation disputes. So if if two companies were fighting about money. I might be involved in it if it wasn't a specialized area. It could be a, a contract dispute. It could be, you know, any any number of things like that. Um, then I went for a while and was a federal prosecutor, and I did that so I could get stand-up experience in court every day, um, the kind of thing you don't get at these big law firms. After that, I transitioned out into this small firm with um, – there were two other lawyers at the time. And they were primarily lawyers who handled antitrust cases, which is a competition law issues. That was their background. But they had this little patent matter that they'd gotten it through this convoluted way. And soon after I joined them, 
they had uh, were very actively involved in an antitrust case, and all of a sudden this little patent matter came back to life. Well, they didn't have any experience in that either. I didn't really have experience in this competition law, so they just handed me this patent matter and said, hey, why don't you take care of this? And so I did, and that started me on this quest, and I just fell in love with it. And that kind of expanded to the other areas of intellectual property, which are trademarks and copyrights and, and these other issues that were just a lot of fun. And it also allowed me to be in an area where I was really working with the kinds of clients I wanted which are entrepreneurs and you know people who are doing really innovative things and, and especially in the online space where it's just a lot of fun to work with the people who are um, today's really ingenious in, in inventors and creators. What's a, um, in, a, in a short primer course here, what's the difference between a trademark and a copyright? And I, I, guess, I guess a service mark is also thrown into the pie. Okay, so l l let, me, let me just let me actually break down four different kinds because there's four different silos of intellectual property. So there's trademarks, and you mentioned service marks. A service mark, you can think of that as a trademark. It's, it's essentially within the same family. A trademark is anything that identifies the, the source of a good or service. So, And by source, it means the company, or it could be a cooperative or something like that that provides it. So think of your brand name, your slogan, your logo. Classic examples, Coca-Cola, that is a trademark name. Just Do It by Nike. Again, that's a slogan that if you hear Just Do It or you see Just Do It on a shirt, you're going to immediately know that's a Nike product. So that's trademark. Copyright is any creative work that has been put into fixed form is protected as a copyright. So classic examples are uh, songs, movies, uh, books. Um, but it doesn't have to be a book. Your website is copyright and copyrighted material. So you get those rights automatically once you put it into fixed form. The, the next area, and this is an area that doesn't get nearly enough attention, is trade secrets. Trade secret law protects any valuable information that is not generally known and that you take reasonable steps to protect and to keep confidential. So thank mm -hmm. your customer list your CRM database, any kind of secret sauce you have in your business is protectable as a trade secret is if you take steps to protect it. Again, a classic example, the Coca-Cola formula is protected as a trade secret. It's been kept secret now for well over a century, and so they get to keep using it. No one else can um, sell a product that's identical. And then the final area is patents, which uh, for the most part is actually the least important, ironically. That's what got me into intellectual property law, but it gets way too much attention in my view because to get a patent, you're going to have to spend probably $10,000 or more, three years of your life, and then there's a very good chance you're never actually going to make a dime off that patent. Um, but it, it protects inventions. Um, you can get it for processes, but mainly it's for – uh, these days uh, for a physical product is the easiest type of uh, s uh, situation to get a patent. Hmm. Well, when you, um, if you, if you're an entrepreneur like I am and you have several different uh, online kind of or home study courses, info products, what do you want to call them? Is there certain uh, paperwork or I mean, should you file these things or the mere fact that I've published it and, you know, obviously, put copywriting in the bottom of the pages, the footer and stuff. Is that enough or do you have to like do go something for go a step further? 
Okay, so for and I'll, I'll talk with trademarks and copyrights because that's really in your example what we'd be talking about. In both of those, you get common law rights immediately. So for copyright, as soon as you put it down in fixed form, it gets protection as a copyrighted work, and you don't have to do anything else. You can go through the process of uh, registering your copyright or registering your copyrighted material. There are advantages to doing that. So if you register it um, within a certain period after you first use it, you automatically get some protections, like you can get some maybe some statutory damages, so you don't actually have to prove your damages. You can just get some automatic rights uh, and some other advantages like that. You can also get that if you register it before someone starts infringing it. But otherwise, you won't get those extra protections. And if you ever wanted to sue someone for your copyright, you would have to register it before you filed the lawsuit. But again, that is something that, I mean, I haven't registered most of my copyrighted works. My, my books are copyrighted, and they are registered, but that's just because I used a service where that was included. I, I don't remember if it was an extra 50 bucks or something. They just go ahead and uh, register it and file the copies that need to be filed. Um, but you get the protection automatically, but to sue, you have to do it. You have to actually register it. Trademarks, again, you get protection as soon as you start using a trademark in commerce, you get protection. It's called common law protection. Uh, there are certain limits to it, and also proving exactly when you started to use it could be difficult in the future. You can also, again, uh, get a registered trademark, and that you do by filing with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. It's not that expensive. It, it and I don't know the exact numbers, but the, the actual fee with the government is $250 or so per category. You have to register it within what line of business you're in. And then you can get a, a, a company out there to do the filing for you for, again, about $100. So it's not an expensive process. Um, registering it will get you broader protection. You'll get protection across the United States, and it establishes your date. So it establishes that on that date of filing you were using, um, or at least intended to use, so you get protection there. Um, there are advantages, disadvantages. You know that's a an issue you have to decide on a one-off basis. So if you have a great, perfect name for your business that you expect to be using for a long time, that's going to get you protection. It's worth registering. If it's some small product name that you're not sure how important it is, you may not need to actually register it uh, because, again, it, it gives you broader protection, um, but it, there's a cost associated. So you always have to do the, the weighing of what's worth doing and what's not worth doing. Right. What have you seen? What's the biggest legal mistake you see entrepreneurs making these days? Well, so there's a, there's a couple of them. Um, and one of them is not strictly related to uh, intellectual property, but it has some serious uh, implications for intellectual property. And that's that way too many entrepreneurs don't get their agreements in writing. And it, this can come up in so many different areas, it's hard to even uh, talk about everywhere. But one of the basic ones is I will often deal with an entrepreneur or entrepreneurs who are working together but they don't have a written agreement. So they have a partnership without an agreement governing it. Or they have a company, but they don't have an operating agreement that says who owns what, what each person's responsibilities are, how can you get out of the company, 
Uh, so all of those basic things that you need to have spelled out need to be in a written agreement. Um, as a matter of law, you don't have to have a written agreement, but the problem is then you end up in a he said, he said situation um, versus if you have a written agreement, it's very clear, and you don't have to worry about that fight down the line. There's um, a, a pretty famous case of Adam Carolla. I don't know if you know who he is. He's yeah. kind of a media, yeah. media personality. So he, he launched a podcast with a good friend from like high school, was kind of the behind-the-scenes person. And this was relatively early in the podcasting world. I mean, not not crazy early, but let's say in about 2009, 2010, I think is when they launched. And, and it became hugely successful. It was, at one point, the most downloaded podcast in the world. So it started generating money. At that point, Adam Carolla fires his friend. And his friend said, you can't fire me. I own... I'm a partner. I own a percentage of this business. For a year, they, I think, went back and forth. We don't know for sure, but about a year later, his friend filed a lawsuit uh, trying to get his uh, ownership share or his basically share of profits. They litigated the case for 18 months, uh, spent probably not, – not probably – at least hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not over a million dollars total in fees on attorneys like people like me. To litigate mm -hmm. essentially what this guy was entitled to get, and then they settled in the middle of the trial. So that is what happens or can happen if you don't have a written agreement. If they'd had a written agreement, they wouldn't have spent a million dollars on people like me because the agreement would have said he's an employee or he's a partner and he gets X percent and he gets it, you know, he can be fired under these situations or, or whatever. So if you'd had a written agreement, they could have avoided that. That's one of the big issues I see. Um, it, it has implications, like I said, for IP as well. Um, federally protected intellectual property can only be transferred by a written agreement. So if one of your employees has a copyright or they have a trademark, they filed a trademark and it was filed under their name. If they don't file a written uh, transfer or assignment is what it's called – uh, they own it. Your company doesn't, and so that's a, the type of problem you can run into without having the right agreements in place. Uh, wow. Hey, yeah. I want to ask you about your book real quick. Time is running out. I, I, this okay. stuff actually fascinates me as much as I, I'm not a huge fan of law and stuff like that, but this side of it, because I guess it's entrepreneurial, fascinates me. I want to ask you about your book, The Entrepreneur's IP Planning Playbook. I was looking through it, and um, you have a section on IP audits. Now, is that something you – um, recommend uh, uh, entrepreneurs do like on their own, or is that something you bring an attorney for? Or what, what's an IP audit? Well, so an IP audit, I mean, it's a fancy word for basically just doing a self, or you can do a self-assessment or work with someone to do an assessment. But the point is to do an assessment of your current situation. And uh, in the book, I spell this out, and then we have a, um, you know, I have a form that. Um, we would use it. We use internally if we're doing it for someone, but also uh, I let people have free copies of it if they want it. Uh, and it's a 14, 15, maybe 20 pages long. The point is, you basically go through the process of thinking through what are our assets that might be protectable. Have we protected it? Yes or no. How important is it to our business? Is it critical or is it a uh, kind of a side tangent that's probably not that important? Um, so, so it helps you to triage because let's be honest, entrepreneurs, you don't have a million dollars to spend on intellectual property issues. You probably have a very limited budget. 
And so you're going to have to make some hard choices about what to protect, what not to protect. So it's the process of helping you uh, come up with everything you potentially could be protecting, triage that, and then figure that side out. On the other side, it, it also makes you go through the process of, of making sure you have policies and procedures in place to make sure you're not uh, stepping on anyone else's rights, that you're not stepping on a legal landmine that could get you sued. So it's a process that people can go through on their own um, with the help of the book or and, again, with the form uh, that we use. It can be very helpful, but it's really just a, an assessment process. You could also do it with the help of an attorney who could ask you, you know, the questions and really do it for you. Uh, you know, candidly, I would suggest to most people that they ought to do that themselves because do they really want to pay someone like me 400 bucks an hour to come in, ask them questions, and essentially fill out a form they could be doing themselves? But if they want to, I'm happy to. I mean, you know, people want to <laughs> do that. I, I'll do it, but, you know, that's probably not the best use of your time. Um, you know, so again, it's something that I, I use as the first step in a planning process to figure out where people are. Uh, I'm hoping to actually create an online assessment tool that people can use. It'll kind of short circuit this and help them um, do it in an online format because I know a lot of people don't want to actually print a document out and, and you know fill it out with pen and pencil. I actually enjoy doing that, but I know a lot of people don't. Bobby, the last question I have is, so we've talked a lot about uh, protecting your property, trademarks, which is all like protecting yourself externally. Um, talk for a few minutes about internal uh, theft. What should you, are there documents that you should have with employees and or even like a, a virtual team member? Are there non-disclosures? Like, how do you protect yourself from internal theft? Yeah, so so you, you hit it you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you you call it a non-disclosure, but with an employee or an independent contractor, I would just call it a confidentiality agreement. So, again, mm -hmm. I mentioned that one of the big mistakes that people make is not having their agreements in writing. I suggest – and I'm not an employment lawyer. I wouldn't purport to give people advice on employment law issues. But I suggest you ought to have a written agreement with all your employees. From an IP perspective, having a confidentiality clause is important, and what it would say is simply – you know, you can put it down simply or you can get a lawyer to put it in legalese for you, but it would essentially say that nothing they learn while working for you uh, can be used for any purpose other than for your business purpose. So the point is so that your employee can't download your CRM database or your lead list or things like that or you know, if you're using ClickFunnels, your funnel database and all those things, and then take it with them and start a competing business. And so that's the important part. You know, in the news lately, people may have heard there's a big dispute between Waymo. I don't know if it's Waymo. I don't know how that's how you pronounce it. And Uber. It's basically the Google-affiliated uh, self-driving car company is suing Uber uh, for hiring a former Google employee who took something like – I don't remember. It's 1,400 or 14,000 files with him when he left. Um, so that's a trade secret violation. You need to have those – those kinds of contracts in place to really establish that they're not allowed to do it um, so that you don't have a fight later if they do. Again, I always use a very simple non-online uh, example that I think helps people understand this. If I was running a lawn business, the last thing I would want would be one of my crews to be able to download my customer list and then go and, and offer to serve them for $10 less than we're charging because right. you know in that in that situation of course someone would do it so you need to put protections in place so that doesn't happen 
Very good. Hey, um, this has been a really fascinating uh, interview. Appreciate your coming on. How can people uh, connect with you and um, and also get a copy of your book? Well, so the easiest way to connect with me is on my website, which is uh, clinkllc.com, and that's uh, K-L-I-N-C-K-L-L-C.com. If you go there, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of free resources. There's a blog which has good information. You can contact me if you wanted to set up a uh, consultation. Um, but also there is a special um, a, a special offer if people go to clinkllc.com forward slash podcast. And if you go there, you can sign up for a, an e-course. It's a, an email course where you get videos of me um, walking you through the process of creating an IP plan. But you also get a free download of the book um, and a free download. I mentioned that IP audit checklist. So you'll get a free download of that document and some other checklists to help you in creating a plan for your business. Um, and all that's absolutely free. Uh, I don't try to make a living selling uh, books about intellectual property law. I think that would be a, a, a fool's errand. So I, I give that away and, and hope, that, uh, hope to educate people. And, and I'm sure that uh, the universe will repay me. Um, when there it comes to other ways to, to con get in touch with me, Twitter is probably where I'm most active on social, and that's at Bobby Clink, and that's just B-O-B-B-Y-K-L-I-N-C-K. Awesome. Yeah, you'd have to sell a crap ton of books. That's an official term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's books. right. Yeah, I mean, oh my God. No, hey. nobody gets rich selling these kind of books. I know. Bobby, thanks a lot. It was great connecting with you. It was great being on. Thanks. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special edition of Stick Light Glue Radio. Thanks to uh, our sponsor, Dream Business Academy, for once again sponsoring the show. Get 100 hours off using the coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Get all the details at Dream Biz Academy, dreambizacademy.com. Thank you to my uh, assistants and all of my Dream Team members who uh, make what I do look so doggone easy. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'll see you next week for another great episode, and you take good care. <laughs>